I'm Ken Hemmings, and he is Chris Lang, and welcome to another of these regular property briefings. Again, a warm welcome to you, Chris. And it's good to be back with you, Ken. Well, Chris, it's that time of year when property investors are putting everything together for accountants to prepare their tax returns. So I thought it might be helpful if you were to quickly run through the various items people are able to claim in the 2014-15 tax year. It's interesting, Ken, you brought up the issue of tax because I, a few weeks ago, did an article on my blog which actually includes a checklist that one of the contributing authors um, provided, and I'll put the link below. We'll give it, give you the link to put below this podcast, so that people can go to that checklist. And that's of a general nature, because I think you want to specifically talk about property here. But it would be useful to have that as a master list, if you like, and use today's podcast to expand on that as it relates directly to property. So I think if we look at property, some people believe you can almost deduct everything, but maybe it's worth starting by running through the things that you can't actually deduct when it comes to your commercial property. Obviously, when on the purchase, it, the, the purchase price itself is not deductible. The stamp duty on the purchase isn't deductible. Your legal and conveyancing fees are not deductible. If you do any inspections for the due diligence, that also is not deductible. Any renovations you might undertake immediately after the purchase are not deductible. Generally, whatever you spend in the first year by way of renovations, won't be deductible. And again, repairs immediately after because it's it's deemed to be part of the original purchase price. Now, they're all useful as far as establishing your baseline as far as the purchase price is concerned when it comes to later working out what your capital gains tax will be. You can add, add together on top of the purchase price all these ancillary costs but they're not deductible as individual items in this particular tax year. On the other side, when you're talking about the sale of a property, things like your legal fees, advertising costs, selling fees as far as agents are concerned, are not deductible. They're deemed to be part of the capital cost. So... Those sort of things you've just got to be a little bit careful of. Now, if you are specifically attending seminars or workshops related to directly then acquiring a property, that won't be deductible. Any preliminary reports that you get leading up to the purchase of the property won't be. In other words evaluation maybe before you bought the property or even after you buy the property won't be deductible. And also travelling to and from the inspection of a property before you buy it won't be deductible. 
Now, some people may be surprised that others will say, no, I already understood that. For some people, it just might have been a grey area which was perhaps confusing. Okay, now you've covered what investors are unable to include. Let's perhaps scope what deductions they do have available to them. Well, I think those items relate to the ongoing management of the property and and the maintaining of the property. Obviously, when tenants come and go, advertising to to obtain a new tenant or even having to make a contribution to help them set up or modify the premises would be deductible. Your body corporate or your strata title fees or owner's corporation, depending where you, which state you're in, would be deductible, along with things like cleaning, gardening, pest control, security patrols, etc., many of which may actually be payable by the tenant. But if they're not, if you've got a gross lease, then in your hands they would become deductible and offsetable against the rent that you obtain. Likewise, the water rates, council rates, land tax, although, again, if it's a retail tenant, land tax is not something that you could pass on to the tenant. And, uh, again, there was a, a blog I did recently of some rulings that have recently been made in Melbourne, but I suspect they'll flow through to the other states regarding retail tenants and what you can legitimately recoup from the tenant and what is deemed to be now a landlord expense. So uh, this is, I guess, adding to the reason why, in my view, the order of looking for properties to invest in ought to be offices, industrial and, and then retail third, because it's becoming more and more onerous to own retail property. And then, of course, with the managing the property, you've got the, the fees for managing the property, including GST, um, any postage or statement fees, bank charges. If you've got to have leases drawn up, the cost to do that. And, of course, the letting fees. So they're all day-to-day things that are, are, are incurred, may be recoupable directly from the tenant, but either in your hands or the tenant's hands would be tax deductible. In addition to those items directly related to managing and maintaining your property, what else is tax deductible? Okay, in addition to the what the property manager or management items that you might incur, there are administrative expenses that you might have on your side, whether or not you're looking after the property yourself. Things like stationery that are are used, postage that back and forward in in communicating with with your agent. I mean, the agent might send you leases to be signed. You've got to send them back an express post. Well, you're quite entitled to charge those, those costs. Telephone calls directly to relating to the property, if you're going to make a lot of those and charge and claim them, you're probably better to keep a diary record of them in case the, the tax office ever challenge you. And, um, I mean, things like legal expenses, if, if in fact the tenant does fall behind and you've got to chase the tenant, sure, the agent might organise it, but there will be costs involved. 
it's unlikely. It, you may be able to recoup them from the tenant. It's probably unlikely, depending how the lease is structured. But in any event, they would be tax deductible in your hands. And of course, any electrical or gas costs that the tenant don't recoup. I mean, it might be a public area component that is not directly related to the tenancy, and that may be what you have to pick up as the landlord. But again, that would be deductible. Then, of course, you've got insurance. You've got insurance for the, the building, insurance for public risk, insurance for the various contents other than the structure itself. Again, most commercial leases will provide for the tenant to pick up the premium, assuming it's reasonable, the insurance cover, but it is a deductible expense either in your hands or the the tenant's hands. Well, that would seem to cover most things. Is there anything else you could claim? Anything else? Well, at settlement, the solicitor will provide you with a summary of adjustments and there will always be adjustments made to the council rates, water rates, body corporate rates, etc. Now, again, if the tenant is liable for those, they should be paid by the tenant. But if not, don't overlook them just because they, they, you, they don't appear to come out of your pocket. They do when you pay the final settlement amount. So you're entitled to claim them as a tax deduction, assuming the property is earning, earning rent. So... That's something you make, want to make sure you don't overlook. Just as a general comment, I would say, look, keep good records. I mean, it sounds pretty obvious, but, you know, what you don't want to be doing is scrambling around, hunting for things at the last minute. Just keep things readily filed. Now, if you've got a managing agent, that is a lot simpler because you will, in addition to your monthly statements, you should be given an end of financial year summary which will itemise and cover all your, your income, your expenses if you had to pay them, the GST separated out. And it's a very neat summary which you can then give to your accountant. But on your side, there are going to be the odd things that are not related directly to the management of the property that will occur. Keep the files organised. Keep a diary, as I said, if you make improvements to the property, just either hard copy or soft copy. What I find now is very useful. You can get personal scanners which are directly linked to Evernote and just file them in there, tag them, and so that you don't have to worry about grouping them all together at the one time. If you tag them properly, you can then just search the tags at the end of the financial year, print them out, and then just give them to your accountant. Sometimes, you know, you, you want to keep a record of, of the condition things were in. Take a photocopy or, t- sorry, take a photograph with your iPhone or iPad. Again, upload it to Evernote, tag it so that you've got everything in one spot and can readily access it when the time comes that you, you need it. And I can tell you, if, if you ever do get ordered by the tax office, Whoever has the best file wins. If you can readily supply all the information and there are no gaps in, in what you're providing, they tend to give you a clean bill of health because they can see that you're organised. You're not trying to 
to put one over them. It's not that they seek, set out to get you. They just literally do it randomly or take a, a, a type of property that claims are being made on. There's no specific reason why they're seeking you out, so you don't want to take it personally. But if you can have a ready file and provide all the information and have it at your fingertips, they tend to give you the benefit of the doubt. And so if you haven't done it that way for the, the last financial year, the 2014-15, what I suggest you do is start to get some of these things in place so that it makes life a lot easier. But so I mentioned if you're getting advice in the lead up to the purchase of the property, that may or may not be tax deductible depending on whether it's specifically related to the property. But if you undertaking or have in mind undertaking an ongoing learning program, and I mean, I'm talking about some of my home study courses or um, books from other people, the purchase of that and the studying programs that you might invest in will be tax deductible because they're part of an ongoing learning for you as a commercial property investor. And they're not specifically tied to a particular purchase. So, so long as you have that ongoing program in place, you will find that they will be tax deductible. You can build up your knowledge and widen the scope of, of properties that you can look, look at and look for. So hopefully, Ken, that has provided you with a bit of an overview of how to tackle things, not only this tax year, but going forward. I realise our listeners will still need to seek professional advice from their accountants, but thank you for providing this practical layman's overview of the various things they need at least to consider. Well, that's been a pleasure, Ken, and I do trust everyone found it helpful.